And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Larry, the guy came, I got an estimate, and it's going to cost 500 bucks to fix that table. The ring. I... Yes, you did. Come on, man. Yes, you did. Please don't play this game with me. I would tell you if I left it. I respect wood. I revere wood. I'm considerate of wood. You notice you got a little ring stain on I your know. table. I know. I know. I noticed that. How'd that happen? I don't know. No idea? No. Do you respect wood, Susie? Uh, yes, I do respect wood. Why? You've demonstrated a consistent lack of respect for what is I say. Oh, I don't know what you're getting at. I don't know what this is about. I'll tell you what I'm getting at. I see a ring stain on your table. Yeah. I remember you standing over Julia's antique table with a drink. Yeah. Okay? Therefore? I'm putting two and two together. I think you left that ring stain on Julia's table. So don't tell me you respect wood. Oh, I respect wood, Larry. I respect wood so much that if I had a piece of wood in my hand right now, I'd beat the shit out of you with it, okay? Get the fuck out of here, all right? Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that did not view the Christian Wood trade as an emergency. What did you expect? (laughs) It's Nico Harrison. Come on, at this point, he's just wheeling to dealing all over the place. It's not an emergency. This was expected. We all knew he was going to pull off something. The Christian Christian Wood Wood trade was coming. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, rest of, the rest of the media is like, emergency podcast. We're like, nah, man, the grid's holding up. We're good. It's hot outside. Let's just it's do It's also this. Christian Wood. And it's Nico Harrison. This is a Nike man, through and through. <laughs> you should have been expecting that. And honestly, yeah. if you weren't, what are you even doing? I'm Tim Cato. I ready to talk about the Mavericks. We've got a full house. All three of our usual suspects, Dave Dufour, Mike Pellucci, Austin Garuya, um, usually I say where they work for, but you know, you know, you know, mm-hmm. Dave at the athletic, Mike Pellucci at uh, D magazine, Austin Guria at up rocks, you know, all, wait, wait, what there Austin, do you have something to say? Oh, I'm, I'm back at, at dime. I, I almost wrote like a LeBron style letter saying, welcome back. <laughs> Le- LeBron style? Yeah, the LeBron letter that he wrote when he went back to when he went to Cleveland after so many years. He emailed Lee Jenkins. Lee was busy with are, Clippers. Are stuff, you so confusing LeBron's? Are you confusing this with Jordan coming out no, of retirement? No, 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 no. He no, means the full whole like, thing. Lee Jenkins feature three thousand words of why he's coming back home. That thing. Okay, not just, okay. I was worried. Austin's are, bigger okay. than two words. 
Uh, The press conference, just the, you know, just like from the offices of Michael Jordan Esquire. Austin did actually trade Andrew Wiggins, though. So, you know, he got part of it. Yeah. Okay. It's it's rough, but it's paying off dividends now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Christian Wood got traded to the Mavericks. That happened last week. We did not record. Apologies for that. Again, not an emergency, but we do want to talk about it. We are going to be back on a weekly schedule. And... I think it's a good deal. I think the Mavericks did something very good in, you know, really the opening salvo of the offseason before the final game of the NBA season had been like played one night before the Mavericks were like, oh, yeah, let's let's get this thing started. The Warriors are going to wrap up. Let's make the first big splash of the summer. And they did that. I was a little surprised that they were able to just move off all four of these salary filler contracts, um, you know, Theo Pinson, he got mad at Dave McMinimum for, you know, referring to him as an end of bench player during. So salary filler, you know, they're more than that. But these were four players other than Trey Burke who only played, play, you know, meaningful postseason minutes because Luka was injured. These are four players who did not factor into the postseason. And there were four players that, needed to be off the roster so the Mavericks had the flexibility to do what they are trying to do this summer. And to do that just by giving up the 26th pick and to get a pretty interesting center candidate, someone on an expiring deal, someone who fits real nicely, you know, in the in the best case scenario, and even in the medium case scenario, who, you know, someone who I think is a clear upgrade at their starting center position, that's good for an officing. That's what Nico does. Come on now. Let's let's get let's get initial thoughts and, and reactions. There's a lot of like various nuances that I kind of want to get into. And I've uh, you know, I, I think I've bored radio audiences when I've jumped on radio a couple of times to talk about this trade when the first thing I wanted to talk about was, oh, let's talk about roster slots. Look how look how well the Mavericks moved off those. Let's let's just start with Christian Wood this time. Dave. Yeah. What's your what's your 30 second overall vibe of Christian Wood the experience? Uh I mean there's a reason this guy, you know, very talented player has changed teams quite a bit and why he you know, it took him a while. He was sort of a, a comeback story in the NBA. And um seems like he's sort of worn his welcome out in a few places and Houston might be the the newest version of that, but maybe the vibes are way better in Dallas. Right. And maybe that, well, they are, it all works out. Well, it was, but you lost Boban (laughs) and you lost Marquise Chris. So, you know, I I don't know. We'll see, but the, the vibes were certainly strong. Uh, So maybe that doesn't matter, but on the court, the fit is very apparent. This is a true stretch big. I mean, he really is a threat shooting the basketball Um, when he's available. He's good. Um, defense is hit or miss, but the offense, God, you can see it right away. I mean, it is a huge upgrade, uh, offensively. The, the defense, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not so sure about, um, we'll, we'll see if he can actually perform, if he can play in the style that Dallas needs him to play in to, to get to the next level. I don't know if he's necessarily an upgrade over Maxi, who's, who's a fantastic defender, uh, but certainly on the offensive end, he is. So, I don't know. I, I think that it it's a we need to see it, of course, because that's every trade. But it has potential to to be a huge upgrade. 
Um, I'm just a little dubious, generally. And it's it's two-way effort at times with Christian Wood. It's, you know, we can talk about the defense. You, you can go watch Twitter threads of him giving up layups and just not being fully present on the f- defensive end. But Matt Goodman was even talking about how sometimes he'll go up to set a screen and just die and just be like, ah, I don't know if I I don't know if I want to, you know, really exert effort on this. Uh, setting screens is hard, which it is. It is. But. You know, I, I so I, just to say that it's it's a it's an overall effort standpoint, which maybe gives you optimism that the defensive side really was impacted by effort, and if that's all it takes, then you know that's something he can grow into. But yeah, I, I definitely felt the the uh, the Christian Wood experience uh, being like on a paragraph to paragraph basis, like you said, it was uh, he was feeling stuff. Yeah, and I, I think we you know let's. Austin and I could go through our big picture observations before we get into the defense because Istok Franco, who wrote the day before Matt, actually had some things in his piece that made me optimistic about some Christian Wood defense. I think the big picture thing for me is like, look, I think we're all going to say various versions of the same thing, which is that it's a smart trade. And part of why it's a smart trade is it, it can't go that badly, right? They gave up a pick that historically is in a range where teams don't hit. And if there's ever a team that outperforms their draft expectations, it's not this one. And it's that and four guys that don't use for someone on an expiring deal. Like, what is the worst case scenario? He is miserable from, you get him in camp in September, you realize over the next six months, no, not even six months, the next, let's say four or five months, oh man, this guy sucks to be around. Uh, we don't want him around anymore. Great, you can flip him for nothing at the deadline. Like, literally at that point, if he's that bad, it means it's addition by subtraction and you can get rid of an expiring deal whenever you want. It's going to be a huge tank here too. Huge tank here. Right. People will gladly take him to screw up their entire chemistry and let them tank to try and get Victor, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So OKC is already working up trades. Vic, yeah, they're all about it. They're preparing a suite for Christian Wood if they need it, right? So, you know, we'll get into the specifics, but just know that whatever we say, it can't actually be that bad. Anybody who sits there and questions this deal, I don't know where your head's at because this team was – the odds of them hitting on that pick – and especially hitting on that pick to help in the next two years, which is really what you got to be thinking about. Good luck, man. It wasn't happening. So I will gladly roll the dice on Christian Wood for an asset like that. While, as Tim's saying, getting off of four salaries that they had to get off of. It really, we'll, 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 it's fine. We'll get back to the pick. We'll, we'll get back to the pick. Uh, let's stick on on just Wood's fit a little bit. Austin. I think it's completely additive. You know, you're not losing anything by adding Christian Wood to your roster. And if anything, he is... The most talented big they've had by far. He's way more talented than Maxi and Dwight. And he's never played on an actual competing basketball team. He's never played lots of minutes for a team that's actually trying to win each night and for a team that actually executes the rotations. And on top of that, if he doesn't play well, he'll sit. They'll just play Maxi. They'll be like, that guy went to the Western Conference Finals last year and you didn't. Like, we'll just play him over you if you don't make rotations and if you're constantly the guy who's missing rotations and everyone else is making them that's a much different position to be in when you're just in houston just tolling away every single night just trying to get buckets because you're not playing for anything so i think the structure will allow him to it will minimize some of his defensive faults i don't think he's going to turn into just a great defensive player all of a sudden but i think there's a higher level of accountability where he plays here and his skill set offensively 
perfect. He's literally the perfect big for Luka Doncic. He's all the good parts of Kristaps Porzingis and without like almost any of the bad parts. And he shot a high percentage from three uh, than Kristaps did last night. He shoots a lot of them. He can shoot them off the dribble. He's a better roll threat than KP. He's more willing to roll to the basket. And he's a great finisher when he gets to the rim. And he has a much bigger catch, like lob radius than, than Dwight Powell. So on offense, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be so easy for him. He's he, he put up 21 points a game in the 2021 season. That's not easy. Even if you're an asshole, like that's still an asshole getting 21 points a game. And that's going to be a huge addition for their offense. You know, it's so funny. Mavericks fans have been clamoring for Miles Turner for multiple seasons now. I think offensively, it's clear that Wood fits better. Not that maybe well, not is better. But having an actual movement shooting big, like somebody who actually comes around a screen and, and does need to get a seat, his, his feet set. But uh, as I get my words set, uh, you know, someone who's just has a ability to hit volume shots like he, nobody was creating threes for him in, in Houston. Uh, he was one of their best shooters, you know, other than Gary Bird. Uh, and, and it's just it's very clear that. You know, I, I think in that sense, I think in the in the role thread and in the idea that he just understands or, you know, I know that he said he sees himself as an all star. You don't come from Houston into an established team that just made a conference finals run and expect that you're going to get isolations and, and post ups, uh, you know, here and there. Yes, I, I, I just don't expect that out of him. And, and I do think that his numbers uh, can be really good without having to, you know, ever be a focal point, without ever having to get him shots uh, that are not uh, shots gotten within the context that the Mavericks want him to get. And so for that reason, you know, like one one reason why players get annoyed is is their stats aren't as high. Chris Stubbs was not someone, he wasn't shooting threes well and he wasn't rolling. So he had to go, like, Chris Stubbs needed to get numbers. He views himself as a 20-point player, probably more than that. But you know, he had to go get those shots because he couldn't just feed off the rest of the team. Christian Wood can feed off the rest of the team in a way that I think, you know, is more so than a Miles Turner. He's cheaper. He's on an expiring, you know, for, for you know, all the talk about the value of the center in the modern NBA. Uh, I don't think that the Mavericks should be going and paying 30 million to, to Miles Turner. I'm not, I'm really curious about how much Christian Wood can switch onto the perimeter. I, I think he has the athletic archetype to do it. And to, to a degree, again, we're not talking Bam Adebayo. But yeah. I, I think that's something he can do a little bit. I, he doesn't look to me, and I've seen I've seen isolated possessions where he looks really bad. And I think his rim protection is going to be an issue at times. I, I think he can do that. I, you know, I don't think he's the type of big that gets run off the floor uh, because he's such a you know flashing red light that any offense will pick up and just go at relentlessly and force the coach to make a decision in that way. And so yeah, no, in all like seriously, I I, I think he's a better fit than you know name whatever big you want to name. But I but Miles Turner is the one that people keep talking about. I really think he might be. I mean, I think it's worth noting for the record that offensively, I agree with you, but obviously a large part of the appeal with Miles Turner was his rim protection, right? That's what you're, that's part of the Miles Turner package. Yeah, he's more offensively limited, but he does that. Christian Wood won't do that. But you are on the right track because I think there is a lot of optimism, or there should be for the fact that if Christian Wood is running around and not being asked to play 
in the paint as a lone rim protector, he could do things, right? So Iztok wrote for us the day before Matt, and he brought up the very good point um, that, you know, look, Sean Sweeney coached this guy in Detroit, and the last team that Christian Wood was on in Detroit, their defense with him on the floor was average. Their defense with him as the four playing with another big was actually very good. And I bring that up to say, and I don't think this is something, you know, we saw last year Jason Kidd use the regular season as his laboratory and in the playoffs. That's when he unleashed the real, the real beasts. My thing right now, I don't know how much we'll see it next year because we all know that a large part of the regular season goals is get Maxi Kleba through the regular season. But in the postseason, Maxi at the five or Christian Wood at the four is a lineup I want to see. Because Maxi could do a lot of the things that Christian Wood can't do in the interior. And if Christian Wood is displaying effort, I think we've seen he has the physical traits to move around, right? That, to me, isn't the concern. It's not that he isn't athletic. It's not that we haven't seen some proof of concept. It's consistent buy-in. But it's buy-in in a certain way. I think of Christian Wood, for instance, like no matter how much he bought it, I don't know how good of a rim protector he'll be. He's a good shot blocker. That doesn't mean you're a good rim protector. I don't know how high the ceiling is there. But do I buy that if he's on the floor with Maxi Kleba? And you have a two big man lineup that actually is functional and that complements each other, as opposed to let's play Kristaps Porzingis with two bigs where it's not going to work. That's something Dallas hasn't had before, and that's something that could really raise this team's ceiling. So, for me, I think the one—I think when you're out there with Christian Wood as the one big, you're just hoping he doesn't kill you. But I could see ways in which if he's playing with Cleveland, that he's an actual asset. You have some really nice defensive lineups. He could probably play with Dwight. If I, I mean, honestly, as a floor spacing four, you could go four around one to a certain degree. I mean, I, I do think there's a lot of flexibility there with him as, at the four, and he's a good shooter already. And he's right. going to be shooting some of the most open looks in his life, especially when he pops for Luca and when he's the recipient of some of these swing passes. He's going to be good offensively. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he's, he's a better shooter. I think he's a a more consistent shooter than Porzingis from the perimeter. And we talked about those spot-up shooters, those mm-hmm. wings, those 3 and D wings being dynamic off the dribble. We talked about that a lot throughout the postseason. I, th- I think he's a, you know, he's dynamic. He can, he can, he can attack, he can attack the, the dribble, closeouts right? too, right? And, right, and right, right. Can he make... Now, I think one of the important things for him, and we'll see it, right, and, and he'll progress, but, you know, attacking from the corner, like if he's in the corner... And attacks the closeout. Can he make the read to make the pass that he needs to make when right. the lane gets cut off? Because that's one of the things that Dorian Finney-Smith really excelled at the last couple seasons and grew was actually being able to make the read. Dorian Finney-Smith's passing opened up a lot of stuff for them, just as much as his shooting improvement did. And, and if Wood can do that, it he'll fit right in offensively. And again, the offense is not my concern. It's the defense. It's the effort. Can he protect the rim enough in the small ball lineups. Maybe he's not the guy that's the backline help in those lineups. Maybe it's Dorian Finney-Smith still when, when they do go super small and Maxie's not out there. But I'll, I'll you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what this coaching staff comes up with because they're good. Coaching staff knows what they're doing. Yeah, and just to build on that, I think Jason Kidd is going to be super important here. I mean, last year he talked about early in the season – I want to get these guys paid. I want to get Jalen Brunson paid. I want to get Dorian Finney-Smith paid. Those guys are going to get paid. Dorian already got paid, and Jalen's about to get a lot of money. And Christian Wood is going to come here in a contract season, and it's his best opportunity to make a lot of money. And Jason Kidd's just going to give him a list of things, like if you do these things, you'll get paid. And a lot of them are just within his control. 
just making the right reads on defense, closing out to the right place. Just if they can just execute the scheme, he'll be fine. And also, just on top of that, they played with Dwight Powell for most of the season as their lone big man, and their defense didn't fall apart. And if he can just be better than Dwight Powell, which is not a very high bar, he's going to be really effective. But I think him being in a contract year is going to be one of the biggest motivators for him being a great player this season. Yeah, one thing about juggling the rotation, Dwight Maxey and and Christian Wood, I, I do think back to something me and Mike said when we kept talking about 82 games and 16 games. And, you know, again, Maxi is important. He he matters in the regular season. If you have the ability to, you know, if you know Dwight Powell's a good regular season player and you know that Maxi is, you know, his real value comes out in the postseason, you can kind of juggle those two uh, as long as you have another big man, which they finally do, and and really emphasize Powell in the regular season in, in a way that that Maxi will will take over, uh, you know, once his value uh metastasizes there's a good word yeah does that fit and maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't um and also in the postseason all three of them are in a contract year that typically that would be honestly very messy for three guys competing for minutes all being in a contract year but i don't think i really worry about dwight and maxi being a problem but for christian wood he he's in a contract year so i think he's going to want to play a lot and that's going to be one thing they have to navigate over the course of the season well, and you know, I, I let's look. We've we've spent a lot of time here talking about the question marks and the red flags with Christian Wood from a character standpoint. Let's also give the guy credit. You know, Houston has two really good beat writers down there, and Kelly Eco and Jonathan Fegan. And if you read them over the last week, both of them have gone out and uh, I don't know if defended is the right word because they're being objective, but they have said more good things than not about Christian Wood, right? Kelly, in your back and forth, the back and forth you have with Tim today, talked about how Christian Wood badly wants to win. He really does. You know, it, it struck me almost like the kid in school who wants to do well and doesn't know how to do well. Because in fairness to Christian Wood, yeah, he hasn't helped a lot of situations. But what situations has he been in, right? He goes to Houston. They tell him, you're going to play with James Harden. You're going to compete. You're going to win. And then Harden forces his way out and the situation completely changes, right? It's easy to see how that goes off the rails. And Jonathan Fegan, the night he gets traded, tweets, look, Christian Wood was by and large a positive presence in a rough series of events down there. And it was a young team. There was a total leadership vacuum. Just because you're not the dude who is capable of setting it the tone for an entire culture doesn't mean you necessarily are a bad guy. And here, what what have we known about this team, right? Yeah, post-February, they've started making moves. But for two years before that, they didn't do anything. And what did they tell us all the time? We trust our culture. We trust our culture. This culture works. People in this building buy in. And you got to give them their credit that has held true pretty much every step of the way thus far, right? I mean, that locker room after the playoffs, I thought it was always so instructive that Spencer Dinwiddie talked about how you don't find a group of people who actually like each other 1 through 15 the way that this team did. And you don't see a team buy into a new coach, a team that didn't play defense very well, and then Jason Kidd comes in and suddenly they're playing defense really well, right? The infrastructure is here. And I think... Until proven otherwise, yeah, Christian Wood hasn't worked out elsewhere, but he's never been in a situation nearly this good either. Forget the financial motivator, which is absolutely true. This has been a guy who the people who have been around him and reported on him have said he wants to do well and hasn't been in that environment. Well, here's the environment. 
And so Christian Wood really, he's either going to make a ton of money after this year or he's going to get a very disappointing deal. Because if he fails this year, it's almost certainly on Christian Wood. All of the circumstances are in place for him to succeed. I don't know what the mitigating factors would be. So either he's going to make a bunch of money, whether here or elsewhere, or Christian Wood is going to be taking MLE deals for maybe the rest of his career. It's, it seems really hard to be an asshole within this culture. You know, I, I, I'd find it hard to believe somebody could come in even, you know, even if they had, you know, very, you know, minor inclinations that come out when things go bad, things haven't, you know, it's, it's very hard to see a scenario where things go poorly next season. Also, one of the reasons this trade was made, we talked about at the beginning, roster slots, getting off these, you know, lower contracts, players that didn't make any postseason impact. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, that's why it's so helpful that it was a four for one deal. One of those roster spots is going to go to Theo Pinson, who's no longer eligible for the two-way contract. Uh, you know, at one point, Jason Kidd referred to Theo Pinson as the MVP of the season. Uh, hyperbolic a little bit. Yeah, sure. But it's clear that, you know, he was one of the driving, motivating forces and factors of this team really liking each other, of this team, you know, sprinting up and down the court, drawing fines virtually every playoff road game. Uh, that matters. And that's one of the reasons why they said we have to have Theo Pinson back. Uh, you know, I, I do think Boban is a you know, who is obviously outgoing in this deal, uh, almost certainly will not be able to come back to the team, even if he's waived by Houston. Uh, he would have to get traded again and then waived for that to even be eligible. Uh, I don't think Dallas would have, tr- uh, I don't think they would have waived Boban uh, due to his stature as a good friend of, of Luca, all that stuff. It, it's a lot easier to justify something like that when it's like, okay, business decisions. Luca understands it's a, it's a league of, you know, it's a business decision league. Look at this player we're bringing back. Um, but you know, just being able to retain Theo Pinson. Now you have two more roster spots, you know, assuming Jalen Brunson gets resigned. I think at this point, we're all assuming that. Do you bring in Goran Dragic? You know, you know, you were talking about, about friends, uh, you know, people who can talk to Luca, who can to tell him to shut up sometimes, you know, probably, you know, things like that. Talk about culture, talk about building something, you know, there's someone who can do it but also potentially con- contribute in the postseason. Dallas definitely could have used him last season, um, you know, if he's ready for a role like that. Uh, this is this is why this all makes sense. And then it opens up yet another roster slot, you know, if if they've got four open right now, uh, you know, on the completion of this deal. You say it's Pinson, you say it's maybe it's Drogic, uh, you, it, it's Brunson. You, you got a fifth on top of that, you know, or 15th. You got one more. Who do you go get with that? Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's not... You know, maybe it's I, ideally I know that they want a wing, you know, that's they're, they're looking for one more wing who can kind of filter um, or, or phase into the rotation. But, you know, that's that's why you do it. And, that, and that's why there's value in doing that. And that's why it's worth giving up the 26th pick, because they didn't have room to sign a player who they would have drafted with the 26th pick. It was almost like it didn't matter. You know, you can say, oh, we want this player. We want that player. They really didn't have any choice but to use the 26 pick to get off the roster slots that if they still have the 26 pick would allow them to actually sign someone to the roster next season. It's one of those paradox that goes in circles. Uh, it wouldn't have really mattered. And Austin, I know you've dug into this a little bit more than certainly I have. And at this point, I will not be diving into the draft. Not not terribly deep. There is no reason for me to do that. Um, that feels like a, uh, a unnecessary use of... Uh, uh, brain cells, which I, I use them all very purposefully and never waste any of them on any unnecessary information. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So what could they have even got with the 26th pick? And do you think it's justified that you know Dallas didn't find some way to somehow keep it, that as much as we talk about them building towards the draft... You know, anybody anybody they would have got would not have been playing minutes next season. No, no, no. it, it right. would not have been as good as Christian Wood. And frankly, the expiring contract may have more value for a team that's hopefully making the conference finals next right. season. You know, I still want to hear. The, I still want to hear sixty seconds on just like what the draft even looked like at twenty six. Like, it just there for anybody. Are guys, there are guys there, and I'm not. Yeah. Listen, I'm not Mister Draft Head, but I've you know I've been doing. At least like a, we'll call it a cursory waltz through the draft. And there are guys late that probably could come in and play. There's there's a guy, Blake Wesley, who I he probably can't play right away. But in like two years with a little bit of development work on his jumper, I think he's going to score like crazy in the NBA. So there are guys at the back end of the first, even if they were to trade out like into the second with that pick, um, maybe just trade down a little bit. There were guys. But. You're not getting Christian Wood there. 
Yeah. I think there was really good value in this draft after from like 18 to 35, where there's pretty much just like a glut of guys who are all about the same level of talent. Um, and I was excited for, I was excited to see Nico make a draft pick and kind of see what his draft philosophy is for players and what he's looking for in a player. And I think it's also important when you start making deep playoff runs, you need a hit on a draft pick once every three or four years to kind of maintain your roster and maintain your mechanical flexibility because guys phase out. So if you, if you draft somebody this year and they develop, let's say you drafted Wendell Moore, who I really like from Duke and he's not ready this year to play. Maybe it's not right. Maybe the following year he plays some, but by the time Reggie Bullock's contract comes up in two years, you have someone who can come in who's cost effective and you don't have to give a veteran a lot of money, especially towards the end of their deal. And I think that's where you have to look to when you're building a roster and you're in the playoffs every single year. So I was, I was interested to see who they could get because I thought there were guys are worth taking with that pick and worth developing who could have contributed, especially probably in year two. But there's definitely no one nearly as talented as Christian Wood. Right. And and what you're talking about to me is a luxury for teams that have won something. Right? The Warriors can can keep that 26 pick. Doesn't matter. They they just won. The the Spurs all those years, they could draft at 29. Didn't matter because they won. They had the time to develop, the cycle to develop. This team still needs more talent. And getting Christian Wood, that's the move. I think it's a good trade and if it works out, you're a genius. And if it doesn't, it's still a good move. Right. Because I'll, I'll put it this way. So this is the best thing it is talks piece for Monday. I'm going to, I'm just going to read from this because it's very instructive. Since 1990, the outcome for 75% of the players drafted in the 25 to 30 range has been from four to eight points per game with a median of 5.8 per game career average. That's what you are overwhelmingly likely to get at that spot. And that's and we're dealing with a team that is a suboptimal drafting team in the late round or later in the round, right? They've so not only are you not getting anything that's gonna help you right away, you're overwhelmingly likely not to get anything that helps you in the long term. And this team, given what we've seen until proven otherwise, does not get the benefit of the doubt in the draft. So you make this trade every single time. And look, respectfully, the Mavericks had their chance to get a player like in the vein we're talking in 2020. They had their chance. They had three picks. They had, what, it was 31 and 36 in addition to drafting Josh Green. Uh, There was something floated out there uh, either Tuesday or or possibly late Monday um, by Jonathan Gavoni of of ESPN that the Rockets may continue trying to negotiate or expand on this draft. Um, I didn't fully understand, you know, the language isn't clear to me, I guess is what I'm saying. Expand couldn't mean bring another team in. You know, maybe they're trying to do something with John Wall. Um, but Josh Green's name was specifically floated. And look, the Mavericks missed on all three of these picks. And at this point, if the Mavericks had to include Josh Green to get this deal done, yeah, go do it. Go do it. I'm sorry. You know, I like Josh Green as a player. We've seen flashes. Um, you really can get to know what a player is going to be after two years. And there may eventually be an NBA player somewhere in Josh Green that he develops into. Um you know, I, I guess what I come down to is what we saw down the stretch of the season. It, it wasn't just, you know, getting left open on threes and, and things like that. It was that Josh Green wasn't making an impact. He wasn't doing things that added to the box score to really any, you know, even even advanced stats, you know, like like a guy that can go out and play 12 minutes and have like five numbers when you add them all up, you know, a couple of rebounds, a couple shot attempts, 
and, and that's it. You know, even his passing, which we lauded really early on, really fell off. We did not see Josh Green, um, you know, there's moments, you know, I, I know there was moments early when he broke into the rotation where we're saying, oh, Josh Green just made a pass that nobody on this roster except Luca can make. How many times did we say that down the last two months of the regular season uh, and certainly in the postseason? Did, did we? Do we see that more than once or twice? Um, certainly cross-court stuff that opened up open threes. He's a long ways away. And he, you know, in addition to the 26 pick, if you've got a trade, you know, like Josh Green right now is probably the best case scenario for 26. You know, if you've also got to give up Josh Green for that, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I'd have to hear more. Um, I'll, I'll ask around and see, and, and see what the likelihood. It sounds to me when when the word expand is used is, is that there's another team coming in and, and it's that sort of situation. So maybe Dallas is even getting back something else for that. But Josh Green's are players you should be trying to grab and be successful on and develop over the years. And Dallas does need to get back to that. But right now, like you said, Dave, they haven't won anything. Those are not your core building blocks. Someone like Christian Wood is who you're going to cycle through. If he doesn't work, maybe you keep him. Maybe he's a center for, you know, you resign him. He's the center for the next five years. Maybe he's not. The 2011 Dallas Mavericks did not have, they did not develop young players that, you know, slowly grew up and joined the championship rotation. No, they kept sight. They had a bunch of mid-sized contracts and they kept cycling through those contracts over and over and over again. And that, you know, it really does feel like Christian Wood is the start of that if necessary for this team. They just got a bunch of mid-sized contracts. They're going to operate over the cap for the foreseeable future. And finally, they have enough value in these contracts that are kind of expendable. You know, maybe maybe down the road, it's a Spencer Dinwiddie swap for something. Uh, maybe once Davis Breton's contract runs down a, another season and maybe maybe he's better, maybe he's fully healthy, like he has a little bit more value. Certainly Christian Wood is an expiring. Um, if you deem him not to be the right fit, has value at the at the deadline. And putting yourself in a position to at least cycle in and out various veterans, uh, various pieces that are not guaranteed to work, but eventually you do it enough times, hopefully one does. That's a good place to be in. And it's actually a team building philosophy and strategy that I see for the future that was hard to envision even a year ago with Chris Stapps Porzingis in, in his Albatross contract on this roster. You're a filibuster. I got nothing. I think yeah. that's kind of perfect. Yeah, you, you nailed yeah. it, Tim. So we'll see what happens. Any closing thoughts, uh, Austin, who probably... I mean, I think... Just to your point about Josh Green, I think that's a chip they should keep in their bag. That doesn't mean he's going to turn into a high-level starter, but they don't have a lot of other young talent on this team. It's kind of an oddly constructed roster in that most of their players are 24 or older or even like in their 30s. And I mean, so really I think, most of their players are 30, like 27 and older. Yeah, 27 and then older. you've got two guards. Except for their two best players. So yeah. if you're trading yeah. your first round pick this year and you're not going to have your pick next year, it would be nice to have at least one guy who can come along who's going to improve. The The shame is that Josh Green needs lots of basketball minutes to get better. He It would be great if he could just go on loan somewhere and just go play somewhere else for a year and get a lot of minutes <laughs> and then come back. Style. That's right. That's we what gotta, that's what he truly needs. 
But that's the next Euro step. His, that's the next his step. Play we style. Gotta, we got to get that Euro League. Yep. NBA. His get, play style Euro would work really well in the Liga. I think. Yeah. You know, he's just not a he's not a Bundesliga player yet. But in the Liga, <laughs> man, that skill set would come out. Uh, uh, maybe even a this. year Send into him to the Adriatic Adriatic League, and he's the MVP. Yes. Hundred percent. Okay. 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 I, w- I will say this. It would feel weird when we say expand. Like Tim said, it can mean a lot of things. Maybe it means there's another team. Maybe it means there's a Josh Green from Dallas plus something from Houston. Like, a, I don't know. They've Kenya Martin Jr. is pretty publicly available at this point, right? It would feel weird to me if the deal comes out the way it is and the terms are all publicly out there and then it resulted in Dallas just adding an asset without getting anything else back. That feels like renegotiation that does not happen at this level. That feels yeah. like something really changed between two teams, and I don't know. I, I just don't get the vibe that that sort of power play would happen at the 11th hour like that. I if, think, yeah, I, think, I, I, I really oh. only brought it up to – I agree with you, and I really only brought it up to kind of talk about Josh Green and, and the type of players Dallas is aiming for. I. If you're a Mavs fan out there right now and freaking out, uh, like don't dwell on that. It, it was a it was a throwaway line on a on a, on another podcast that, you know, I'll I'll look into it and I'll tell you if it's worth anything. How about that? That's a that's a 77 minutes guarantee. <laughs> yeah, I think I I heard the comments and it was basically about Houston consolidating those picks and trying to move up in the draft and bring in a third team. So it would probably be even the trade gets expanded, but nothing changes for Dallas and maybe Boban or. Sterling Brown goes to a different team instead of going to the Rockets. Yeah, which that's what you, usually happens. If you want, correct me if I'm wrong here, because you guys know the CBA better than me. But if you want Boban back in Dallas, that is what you want, because then if Boban goes somewhere else and gets bought out, he can come back to Dallas. I don't think he can. Right, he can't get bought out. From well, Houston and then come he back. wouldn't. He it would it would be expanded into a three team trade, and then he Boban would, just, would he wouldn't uh, ever so cycle. It wouldn't be a would to be traded yeah, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the dream yeah, is dead. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah. here's the well, move. That's guys. A you, hire him, you hire him as an yeah. assistant. You 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 know you bring him in as the front office guy. I don't know. You do something like that. There are workarounds for everything. You, you pay him in crypto, maybe. I, I don't know. Boban would be crypto. a lot cheaper now. <laughs> that's, true. that's true. We should go out of Boban now. I think that's only fair. Uh, yeah. Tim. Tim. Parting words for Boban as the man who architected the oral history to end all oral histories on Boban. He's the nicest man alive. He doesn't like planes. Uh, loves emojis though. Yeah, I will. Like say, I mean, most. shout out. It's it's he does love emojis. Um, yeah. Although the kind of the I, I even mentioned this in the story. It's emojis are just used a lot more in Europe. You know, when you've got a lot of people coming from different native languages and communicating a lot of the time in in English, you know, you can get a lot across with an emoji. Emoji is is fluent in in every native language like everybody everybody speaks the same emoji tongue when boban sends hard eyes to you you know he loves you no matter what dialect you speak or where in the world you are that's why he does it. it's true it's true he's he's a he's a he's a great vibes dude um and him and luca really did enjoy their you know hanging out on the road together things like that uh it's a bummer you know I, i i do genuinely enjoy him but at the same time he's what either 35 or turning 35 um He's he's close to retirement, and I would think and hope that Dallas would welcome him back in a post-retirement role. When they retire, he's choosing. Obviously, yeah. Put fifty-one on the Raptors, baby. Let's go. I actually, I hope he goes the Marcus All route. I, I hope he buys uh, a, a small-time team in Europe, goes back, plays a couple seasons. That's actually the guy who should go be 
oh Adriatic League MVP next year. Yes. Boban go home, both Partizan <laughs> and Red Star in the Euro League next year. Go home, Boban. I want to see it. I will fly out for that. The Jose Calderon route, he could buy it. We'll start a new side podcast just following Boban in the Adriatic League, watching Boban. If if there's anybody that could bring Partizan and Red Star supporters together, it is Boban. That is the ultimate test of his healing capacities. Let's not not, (laughs) – no, 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 no. Before – listen, we will have peace in the Middle East before we have – Red Star and Partisan Peace. I've just I've seen it. I'm saying it's if, a, Bo, if, if no Boban way. can't do it, no one could do it. It's never to no be done. No one Boban can do it. <laughs> what a, what an internationally flavored episode this has been. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think uh, that's a good place to conclude it. Um, Dave, Mike, Austin, thank you all. Congrats, Austin. Welcome to or welcome back to the internet sphere. That's good that's to be back be in the content game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The content game. It it it. it you know, never sleeps. It hardened, it hardened someone. It, hardened it, you. it churned. It churned away while you're gone, and now it's, know, it's like, a, it's like a river that you get out of, and then you hop back into. It's always there. It's always flowing. So we'll be back next week, where we will talk uh, about anything the Mavericks do on draft day, uh, but really start thinking about free agency that is to come. Thanks for listening. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Doncic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. What is this? Looks like a stain from coffee. Really? Yeah, huh. I had a ring stain from some coffee. I put some coffee there. Let me ask you a question. Did you leave a ring stain on Julia Louis-Dreyfus's table? Oh, no, I would never do that. How did this get here? That's between the coffee and the wood. No. You don't respect wood. I do respect wood. This is a low-grade wood. Oh, so you discriminate amongst wood. I guess you could say that. I respect all wood. I respect pine. I respect walnut. I respect oak. Doesn't matter, okay? You don't. What about the dogs? No respect for the dogs? Your heart bleeds for the wood, but not for actual life. So you go to a funeral, you're more upset about the coffin than the deceased? Did you leave that stain on our coffee table, Jerry? You've lost your mind.